Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Shuttlepod at the Disco. Today, we'll be talking about the fourth episode of season two of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Kaylee Yacovino, and I am joined by Matt Wright. Hey, guys. And returning member, Lori Ulster. Hello. So Lori um, recorded with us once before when we had a special uh, edition of the podcast after watching Star Trek Beyond live uh, in San Diego with a live orchestra and fireworks, and it was amazing. And so now Lori is back joining us uh, as we talk about Star Trek Discovery. But I didn't Ooh. bring any fireworks. Oh. oh. Sorry. <laughs> but that was an amazing show. That sounded amazing, the way you guys described it. And I think, Kayla, I think you periscoped it for a minute or something. I remember seeing some, like, random footage of it. It looked yeah. cool. Yeah, I have some, there's some some clips online of, like, the all the stars going on stage and some of the, the band playing when they started mm-hmm. the shows. It was nuts. It was awesome. Yeah. Cool way to see the movie. Absolutely. So welcome back, Lori. Yeah, Thank welcome, you. Lori. I'm excited. As we were, we were talking about before we started recording, it's... Uh, the second time in Shuttlepod history that the gender balance has flopped to being dominated by females. So I can appreciate that. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm all for it, honestly. This is this should be good. We we need to mix it up and have do voices. So it should That's be right. good. Yeah. I could lower my voice if you like. No. <laughs> then we're just like, what who's that dude? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So today we are here to talk about, like I said, season two, episode four of Star Trek Discovery, an obol for Sharon, teleplay by Alan McElroy and Andrew Colville, story was by Jordan Ardino and Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harberts, and the episode was directed by Lee Rose. So guys, first off, right out of the right out of the gate here, what were your general reactions to the episode? Why don't we start with you, Matt? Uh, yeah, it was kind of an enjoyable mashup of various Star Trek themes, but I would say don't go too deep into it. You might be a little disappointed. That's how I feel. <laughs> All right. How about you, Lori? Um, I, d- I did think it was a lot of fun. I agree. Like it, it just did a little skipping across the surface of some good classic Trek stuff. I did feel like mm-hmm. even though each thing that was going on was was compelling, they didn't feel c- connected. It felt right. very separate. I and agree. I know they said things like, oh, the calm is out. But I feel like there have been other Star Trek episodes before where that was happening and you still felt the connection of all these things. And just having Michael run around from one story to the next wasn't really enough <laughs> of a threat for <laughs> no, me. No, I think it's really telling, like, before we go too much further, think how many names Kayla just read off that were involved in writing this episode. Yeah. I, I, it kind of makes me, like, wonder. A lot, a lot of cooks lot in of the cooks, kitchen, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yet I liked each separate element very much. It just sure. didn't totally. feel super cohesive. That's mm-hmm. a really, I feel like you hit the nail on the head for me because I, like, I think you articulated really well how I felt about it without even me realizing that that's what it was. Because I, I liked the episode. And like you said, there were all these nice little moments. But overall, somehow the story just didn't feel, yeah. like you say, cohesive. It didn't feel like one piece of a story to me. So, yeah, that I totally agree with that. I also kept forget like it's very easy to forget the whole seven signals and red like it was so easy to forget yeah. that there was a bigger mission going on and Spock yes. has sort of become that mission but then the bigger one I keep thinking like what is wait there's something dangerous I keep forgetting what the big 
arc is, except that well, they're still chasing <laughs> Spock. Yeah. yeah, and so far, honestly, we haven't even really established that the red bursts are even really dangerous or anything. Or anything. Right. Like, there's yeah. a thing. Yeah, they're out there. Yeah, and... It, you know, I, I wish they had done more to yeah to establish it. They haven't told us hardly anything about the red bursts or about Spock's connection with it, and I feel like they're well, sh- they're stringing us along. They they are because apparently Spock will unlock it all once we catch up with them. Which yeah, is like, but, oh, really okay. But it's like like Pike has come and sort of commandeered Discovery because this is so important. Yeah, in theory, it's but super why, important. Why? Mm-hmm. So it's Star- Starfleet knows. Pike knows. Why it's so important, at least from you know what I mean. So and the audience doesn't know yet. Though. It's like fill us in. Why are you so no, interested in there's, these? There's no specific action around it. Like Pike is just sitting there waiting for something to something happen. To happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. There's no like he doesn't have anything to do. He's not following some kind of order to go investigate them or anything. That totally gets on why this just doesn't feel gelled together. I think. I think yeah. you totally just nailed it. Well, so let's not totally dump on the episode. Like. It's true, but let's maybe talk about. Yeah, no, well, there I think some a good really, moments. I think a really positive thing is we get to see number one. That's, mm-hmm. Should we we open the episode with number one? I think that's awesome. Did you notice the music? I thought when she first arrives, it yeah. was very like TOS kind of. A woman has arrived. Yeah, but I, th- I, I didn't mind it. I liked theme. it. Yeah, I think she's got her own theme. I think they must have written a little number one, you know, mini yep. theme for her. Very which is cool. Awesome. Yeah, and great casting. Yes, yes. so cool. Oh, and she comes with like an electronic clipboard, basically, like from TOS in her hand, which is also awesome. Yeah, yeah like the I... TOS pad, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was a nice hybrid, sort of. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not looking good as of it. silly as a plastic clipboard, but mm-hmm. but it looked great. Like yeah. a thicker, chunkier plastic clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like an iPad in a, in a in case a, that in somehow a, like, yeah, wedge in case. Like, yeah. One of those um, like indestructible cases. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Well, there you go. Yeah, the prop the props people have been really on it. I think from the beginning when they introduced like the phasers, for example, um, and there were some other I, things that they introduced right at the beginning. I remember, like one of them, the phasers, I thought was such a nice mashup of TOS era meets 2018. And in this case, I think that was like a similar thing. Like they did a really good job with that little detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the props guys are pretty much on it. I think. I agree. Yeah. And having held some of them, I can tell you, like, they just feel you just want to hold them and point them and run around and play with them. Yeah. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm jelly. I want to hold them. Sorry. <laughs> so speaking of number one, she and speaking of sort of carrying on with this big, uh, you know, season wide arc, she does give us a little bit of exposition for that arc. Mm-hmm. Um, so she comes and delivers some intel um, about about um, what is going on with the Enterprise and what like why she thinks the investigation into Spock is there's something there's something up. Yeah, something, something fishy, fishy sure. about it. I think mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was really cute and interesting. They, they seem to be like. And tell me if you guys think I'm wrong about this, but I feel like they're like sort of quote unquote retconning little things that they had done in season one that like didn't make sense they're like trying to fix them but they're like hanging a lantern on it like they're being super obvious about it so they they, they said like oh the enterprise is you know what what's been the problem with the enterprise like oh we finally figured it out it's those darn holographic projection <laughs> systems we'll have to scrap <laughs> them yeah take I guess. them out 
I guess we'll just have to remove them completely and never and of course, see like, them again. What was that? Last in the last episode, Pike even makes it clear that he doesn't like it anyway. Like he's not a big he doesn't like using the holographic projectors. Mm-hmm. Remember that they're already laying this on pretty thick where it's yeah. like it's like, oh, you're the only guy in Starfleet, Chris, who still calls people like on a view screen. I know. Or, it was, like, it's, like, <laughs> it's almost too much, but I, I do like that they're much. trying to fix stuff, though. I appreciate it. It is too much. But, and know, I would they're... like those holograms to go away. So yeah, they're I'm, awful. Yeah. I'm they're all awful. for anything that takes them away. <clears throat> sure. So there you go. They're laying the groundwork, I think, for that. Although I have to say, in, in the, and it's sort of unrelated, but um, in episode three, the the holographic conversation between Burnham and Tyler was yeah pretty awesome that was and the way done. they they had this the scene the set like split it looked like the mm-hmm. two worlds were merged so that was like a really nice use of it but otherwise yeah I haven't liked them at all mm-hmm. yeah I agree and of course we we still haven't heard uh we we haven't learned who number one really is uh, like we know because we're Star Trek fans. <laughs> but um and i guess you could put what's together context clues but yeah what's yeah. her actual name and yeah, what is it and, and then yeah i guess if you didn't know the term number one and you're like you've never seen star trek before you probably would be like oh she's some colleague right who has a nickname never i thought it was interesting that they didn't explain like oh my like first officer is yeah. coming well you know he's my number one dad she's my number one mom yeah exactly yeah so and she definitely seemed to imply that she also is really close to Spock, which is not something we saw in the cage. No, that is weird. You're right. Uh, yeah, good point. So, I mean, I like all this closeness. To, I mean, for me, I do keep thinking about how Kirk and Spock have this special relationship. But now it seems Spock has a special relationship with everybody. With everybody. <laughs> and in fact, like, it's even weirder when number one has some of the qualities that would later become like Spock's. You know, she was a little more aloof and like less sort of emotionally like there you know in the cage so that's weird they should honestly like they should not be it, it's the whole like they're too alike they maybe shouldn't actually be you know friendly maybe they should just sort of keep to themselves right like i just anyway you know it's just one of those things where they might be too yeah. alike i feel like right although this one is i mean rebecca romaine is playing her she's got warmth and oh, she's she making jokes and she's being very familiar so it's definitely a different take on the character which i think is fun and good yeah it's probably wise at this point yes yeah yeah i guess the other way they could have played her is to have her if if like you said matt they could have had a, a thing where they're two alike so they 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 butt heads a lot and she could have mm-hmm. said you know basically oh you know we don't always agree but i respect him and i want to find out what's happening you know so they yeah. could have played and it I think either that way was equally valid yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so the next thing that happens to our heroes is they encounter, <laughs> they become flies ensnared in a spider's web or something yes. like that. And, and there's and, the and spider. And Pike hates spiders. Yep. I like that stuff. That's a good old Trek thing anyway, and it's always it fun. Is. It the is, big yeah. mysterious object holds them in place and they have to figure out. Well, well and also ridiculous just, metaphors. Yeah. Yes, it was mm. the metaphor because we're caught in a web and there's the spider. Yeah, but I like it. Awesome. I, I cheered a little bit. I'm like, that's yeah. my Star Trek. That's what Scotty should be saying or something. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's pretty great. It's, yep. it's, yeah, it's nice. pretty classic. Oh, I like that. that. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, I like mm. that. I enjoyed that. And the, the sphere, so this big mysterious sphere is holding them in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of sort of classic Trek classic yeah. trek themes embodied there by the sphere 
So, I mean, yeah, one of them is this this analogy. The other is like, yeah, giant, like how many TOS episodes do they come into contact with some weird space object that they can't get away from? Mm-hmm. Like so Game many times. Machine, Nomad. I mean, what, what else? You know, yeah. the big space oh, the space amoeba. amoeba. Yep, yeah. space amoeba. I love yeah. the space amoeba. But usually it wants Holy to eat them. them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Usually wants to eat them. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, this one just wants to communicate. It doesn't want yeah. to eat you. Just wants yeah. to talk. Yeah. yeah and and uh in the end i don't know can we like should we can we jump to the to the end of the what the big mysterious sphere is presumably okay sure yeah let's just go there sure it seems relevant so yeah i mean the other trek theme is that it's you know it's this repository of information so it's kind of mm-hmm. like a like a v'ger or oh hey like the the big probe or whatever it was in our favorite tng episode masks Yes. <laughs> oh, Kayla making yes. it about masks. Oh my goodness. Nice. Masks. Yeah. So and I'll note so something I that I thought was uh again going back to the over overarching theme of the whole season, which has mm-hmm. been this I hate to say this, but religion versus what is it? No, science versus faith. It's faith. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. So, but yeah, um, so they keep dropping these religious references in, like everywhere. And I noticed yep. Pike, so Pike refers to the big mysterious sphere at the end of the episode as our galaxy's version of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes. Yeah, he yep. said something about. He does. Yeah, he does say things like that all the time. Yeah. There's a lot of, he, he, he drops the word faith a number of times too. Like mm. just so far, things like truth and faith, you know what I mean? He's dropping that a lot throughout the season so far. And so. an- another um, like theme that keeps coming up again, I'm just waiting for it to pay off in the last episode, is the word empathy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I've heard yes. so every episode has like multiple uses of the word empathy. You know, what is it? Uh, Sarek said that he had wanted Burnham to teach Spock empathy. Spock yeah. empathy. And then it yeah. kept coming up. And again, in this episode, um, so Sar- yeah, Saru has a run in with a big mysterious sphere. And Burnham says to him, you know, you're the most empathic soul that I know. I have some thoughts on that. Okay. All right. Because, I mean, I love Saru, but he is not the most empathic soul that that we've seen on the show that she's come across. And in fact, there were lots of times where he wasn't particularly empathic, didn't seem to know what was going on with other people. And I even go back Mm. to season one with the tardigrade when she's like, there's a creature and it's and we're Mm. hurting it. And he's like, I don't care. I don't care. So because he was trying to be a good captain, like there's always a reason. But I just to me, he has not been particularly empathic. I think Doug Jones is really empathic. Yeah, mm-hmm. Doug Jones is like amazing. He's <laughs> like an amazing he's this, performer. Yeah. Yes, and he's a lovely warm like if you have any read in it, you know, watch him and talk to him and he's this lovely person. But I wasn't I didn't feel like that was true for Saru to me. Well, yeah, this is them not really sure what to do with his ganglia again, right? It just keeps changing slightly about like what it is, what what it imbues him with. Yeah. Because yeah, you're right. Like he's in theory he's motivated by fear. That doesn't really make you empathic. That makes you very worried about yourself. Yeah, right. self-preservation. Right. <clears throat> right. So it's it's weird. Now, I mean, I get that like he's grown as a person. Like he left Kaminar and really did do a very brave thing to get out of that, right? I mean, that's a really and he started to figure out that there's a lot more to life than just fear. And kudos to him for actually dealing with that. Like, right? I mean, can you imagine being sort of crippled with 
anxiety that way and becoming yes. a Starfleet commander, right? Like that's yes. pretty great. Yeah. But but all that being said, yeah, I'm not sure you could call him like the most empathic person around. Yeah, also, I just want to say that point. that line feels like they decided to lift that right out of the end of Wrath of Khan and change some words around. <laughs> of all you know? the souls. Of all the I souls, yeah. yeah. Right. That's the most... first thing I thought of, and I was like, I don't know, man. Yep. I mean, he has become paternal. Like, his his yeah. dealings with Tilly have been lovely, and that relationship mm-hmm. is really nice, mm-hmm. and that he actually seems to care about her and that he's been able to see past regulations with her to be yes. able to understand how she feels. So there's that. But I, yeah, I definitely don't think that he's yeah. the most empathic person. Yeah. I, I, I 100% agree. And I think I think all of the, the scenarios that you cite just make that really obvious. Um, but I think, to me, they wanted to use the word empathy because that's some kind of theme for some reason. Yeah, it's and, some keyword. <laughs> and they, they wanted this... They wanted some key word yeah to make burnham go oh my gosh it's the you know you're connected because you're ganglia and or him he you know he ultimately i guess made that connection but they had to have someone say i am empathic because the ganglia yeah. which means that i can somehow like I the link with the sphere yeah. they can affect is, me yeah because the end right. of his life this yeah. idea that he has this sensory organ that can sense well we don't even also, know what also, it's totally this idea of, like, parallel writing. Okay, so Saru is facing an end of life. The Sphere is facing an end of life. Like, okay, cool. We've got their little parallel themes going. Yeah, how do we link them, though, yeah. with, like, tangibly? Right. And it's... right, and that's it. And that's how do we use decided. the word empathy? Right. Because we have to, because, <laughs> because that's one of our theme words. Word. Well, you I know, do funny, think... that's really oh, funny. We'll have to do, like, empathy watch now. Like, how many times have they said that? It's been season? at least once or twice per episode. Yeah, well, I haven't so... noticed. I also think part of that is because, you know, they've made it pretty clear that they do want it to reflect what's going on in our time right now. And Mm -hmm. obviously one of the big issues that we're having in this country right now is people feel that other people don't have empathy. Sure. People have empathy and other people don't have empathy and everybody's fighting about it. And without getting into the details of it, I think that's definitely a a current theme in America right now. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I, I think that's part that. of why yeah. they also want to bring it out because it's something they, I mean, they're also, they're trying to remind everybody to have empathy. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a you good know, message. It's nice. Yeah. I like that sure. message, I guess. It's a good message. So, so let's get sort of into the nuts and bolts about Saru and, and his, this, this change that is happening to him. Because of course, at first we think he's got a cold, which by the way, like really people shouldn't really be having colds that much. <laughs> In the 23rd yeah. hey, century. Isn't there a line in some Trek? Maybe well, it's in... to, McCoy. To be fair, that's, that's TNG. And it's Crusher that says something about there's no... The common cold isn't... isn't, isn't it's like anymore. something about, no. yeah, like we've... Went, right? so long but ago before, when we cured the common cold. McCoy oh, says something like, I'm beginning to leave. I could cur- cure the common cold. Oh, that's true. See, so there you I go. Think, so I think McCoy... Uh, and, you know, so, so, so it was cured between... So in the 23rd between. century. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. I, look what we just did there. We just that's established fa- that. That's totally, that's totally fair enough. But you would still think, like, at this point, they would have some pretty sweet-ass antivirals yes. that would take care of most <laughs> common things and pretty quickly. And the symptoms. Yeah, the, pretty the quickly. Sim- yeah. yeah. But, of course, we've already seen Linus snotted up, you know, a couple episodes ago. So, obviously... Apparently not, you know, <laughs> like, and and as we as we learned in this episode, that cold really sucked for him. Like, yes, oh, I, <laughs> I, I didn't, I couldn't tell what he was saying at first because they like distorted his voice so much. Oh, yeah. was that just me? No, I heard him pretty. Clearly, I heard but, him. 
they dipped into the let's use the current vernacular uh, well again and and he said that his cold sucked and it's like oh but wasn't it I okay. didn't actually get it it was supposed to be a joke right because he's like oh I'm sorry I have six nasal passages or something yeah it, it's yeah. supposed to what be it's a, call, it, it's a call back to brother and him sneezing on Connolly yeah like I got that time. but, what, but oh, okay. why does sucked have to do with the nasal passages I thought that was oh no 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 it's no it's just it's just using 21st century lingo uh, having I, having that cold really okay. sucked because there yeah. was like a beat, like he said that there's a beat, like everyone gave him a weird look, and then he goes, "Oh, sorry, I have six well, nasal passages." They gave him the weird look because they all knew he was snotty all over. I think. Okay. I think they were trying to be was, like. Fourth... I didn't get it. No, I think they were trying to break the fourth wall a little and be like, "Did you get it? Wink, wink. Remember that thing that he did two episodes ago that or whatever." Thing that we like, hated. I yeah. sort of, I thought they were reacting to him saying it sucked because of the language, you know, because it was such oh, a casual well, language. That would actually be. And then good. he was justifying it by saying, "No, but I have six nasal passages." So it yeah, really that's... sucked. Okay, okay. that's but, fair enough. Yeah, but still, I just to me, I'm like that stuff is so much better when they keep a couple of characters or one character who talks like that, and everybody does. Everybody talk gets like that. everybody gets a piece of this colloquial stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although so I like anyways, Linus. Yeah. So, so anyway, Saru's salting his tea because you know that's what Kelpians like, apparently. Yeah, and apparently. Looks like hell, and so. <laughs> they did a good job of making him look like hell. He yeah. looked like yeah. I didn't. I was yeah. like I like didn't want to get too close to the TV because I didn't want to get. Sick. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he had little beads of weird glisteny things on him. Yes, he was and, all sweaty yeah. and weird. And yeah, like like um, Michael is once, like holding. Like, he falls over. and Michael's holding, and I'm like, don't touch him. You're gonna get sick. <laughs> 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 so yeah, again, kudos to the makeup people, right? I mean, and Doug Jones, of course, for yes. acting through it all. Doug Jones, um, yeah. Can we just give him like a just like moment of silence for Doug, Doug Jones? Is amazing. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> acting. Maybe that's the wrong. Yeah. I don't want to do a round of applause because that's too disruptive. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, so yes, but this whole episode. The... <laughs> so yeah, we're supposed to sort of believe that this is this um, end of life, almost like he had like an early onset triggered by the sphere, you know. And so that's interesting and weird. And again, that goes back to what we just talked about, that somehow Saru is now super empathic and the Sphere's end of life, like death vibes triggered his. Mm-hmm. Right. Theoretically end of life death vibes. Um, okay, sure. We'll just have to buy that premise because it gets to somewhere interesting, right? <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. That, that in fact, this is all a lie. And he, you don't go like, you don't go insane. You don't get like, you know, Kelpian madness and or get harvested by the Ba'ul. Yeah. You can actually survive this and you don't go crazy at all, really. And, and actually, fine. you in a way, you become better for it because yeah, you way, lose it's your crippling fear. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm going to miss so, the ganglia. I like the ganglia. Yeah. yeah, was, yeah. I, I think if they had just actually figured out what it really does and stuck to it, it would yeah. be great. Instead it would be fine. sensing the coming of death, which makes no sense. <laughs> Yes, that was dumb. Didn't was make really, any sense. Like, really, it's a spidey sense. Like, he just senses when things are, like, near him that are the trouble, right? Like, that's going to threaten his life. Done. Yeah. Like, it's really not that crazy. But... Well, except they did come out. I still remember they came out when the ship left and he was sitting having his salt tea, yes. actually. Yes. And yes. because Michael wasn't on it. Yep, you're right. And that wasn't a weird, that didn't fit in because that was, I would get that that was his personal, like what kind of instinct was that that told him she wasn't on that ship? Right. Right. Because like he's not in immediate danger from that per se. So like why would he, yeah. 
well again they couldn't quite figure out what it was so in a way this is i'm i'm sort of worried that this is them just going like cool well ignore that thing that was problematic for us you know <laughs> yeah you gotta do what you gotta do yeah but um i do i will say this is kind of interesting because through we, we were talking about this when when this episode like writing up this episode and stuff that like it's kind of through like menopause right it's just like change of life it's just like <laughs> and it's not nearly as crazy or bad as he thinks it is right there's a lot of mystique mystique around it that his culture has built up that mm. it must be terrible it must be time to die or at least get fed to the lions you know so to speak like he goes to the predator species and actually it comes out the other side like just fine and um i my one worry about this and i hope this what well, we have to see how they handle it going forward but I'm worried that they're just going to be like, cool, he's not anxious or feel for, fearful at all anymore. Like, he, he's good. It's all fine. Which is, like, not true. Like, you don't you don't come from a species that's highly anxious and fearful and, like, lose those patterns. Like well, that, I mean, those are, presumably the ganglia are doing something to his biochemistry. Well, they're making it worse. But, like, your brain's already formed a whole bunch of connections and patterns about that. Hmm. You're not going to suddenly, like be fine that you'll be well, better it was turned off when he was on pavo right they were doing something kind of crazy to relieve it yeah right so it is definitely possible that it was a specific thing and if you turned off or removed that thing he wouldn't have that fear anymore well i hope he doesn't yeah, turn th- back I... into that person because well yeah that <laughs> person was, that was, was bad reckless news for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 he yeah so hopefully then he finds a new balance and he is not like that. You know, so I was thinking about this after the, se- the last, I did a rewatch of this last night. And I was thinking about the idea of his species naturally going through this progression where the first part of their, like, presumably they could live way longer than they even realized. So maybe. Mm-hmm. That's like, what it sounds like. You know, maybe Saru is super young and it would make sense for um, the, the youngest members of the species to have an, a more acute fear of their surroundings to, sur- to survive and then when they're old enough to you know better judge things around them or better take care of themselves or be stronger or faster or whatever they don't need mm-hmm. the fear to keep them alive so the ganglia fall out you know and now they move on to like the main part of their yeah their biology the main part of their life where sure. before they were they were afraid so that their species would survive long enough to procreate basically yeah, that makes sense, and that also would make sense why the predator species wouldn't wouldn't really want them getting their full potential because yeah. they want to they want to yeah. hunt them while they you know suck while and are freaked out. Yeah, yeah young. exactly. Yeah, yeah. while they they're willingly like walk up to them for slaughter. Apparently so. Yes. Right. Yeah. As, as we've learned, and obviously this sets up a whole thing that we know that Saru can't now. Now he's he can't leave it alone. He's got to go back to his people. Yeah. And we know that there's another episode later in the season where that happens basically because. You know, it's I don't that would be really hard because he's basically told, look, the prime directive says you escaped, but no one else like you can't go back and tell people that like this is a sham and they're fine. So that's I do not envy through that. Like, yeah. That's really that's a really hard place to be. Like, he's He sounds like he's pretty decided on what he has to do. Oh, yeah. He totally knows what he's going to do. But like, it's just, you know, you have to break the it? rules big time. Yeah. yeah. And he was he was yeah. angry, which I liked. He was angry that they yeah, had this should fake be. life. And I thought he played that really nicely because he was angry yeah. but not over the t- it was just it was a deep anger. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those holy shit, my whole life has been a lie kind of thing. And like, my whole species is being manipulated. Yeah. Yes. Everything yeah, pissed, I, pissed I knew. that they're manipulated. Yeah. 
Yeah, his whole family. So, besides uh, the Saru stuff was a big part of the episode, but we also had some other, like we said, some other sort of disjointed, perhaps, stories going on. And one of them that I really enjoyed was the return of Janet Reno. I'm just going to keep calling her that. (laughs) Janet Reno. The Reno and Stamets. Yes. Chemistry. Yes. Love it. Was fantastic. I wish she could stay. And it brought back the Stamets. I loved Cranky Stamets. Me too. You know, it's so funny. People were like, I, I actually made a mention that I love that Stamets got cranky somewhere in one of our comments. And people were like, oh, what do you mean? He spent most of season one being an asshole. And I was like, no, no. I don't. Not really. He was, he was, you know, crusty and kind of, you know, standoffish at times. But like, come on. Like, that's totally a type that we all kind of like. Like, McCoy was that a little bit sometimes. You know, it's a type that's kind of... A, endearing in its own way like and so. he was an asshole for the first couple episodes when we met right. him in season one but after right. that after he like hooked himself to the spores then he was like nice yeah and yes and he, he was very out. loving he yeah. chilled out yeah but he was mad at Lorca a lot and that made sense like he was of in course. constant conflict and he was a pure scientist right so he's wicked so pissed he, that it's being yeah, used for military yeah. and he's yeah. and he's brilliant and honestly being smarter than other people makes people angry a lot oh yeah noticed. of course so I've seen that a lot. Yes. <laughs> but I I loved his crankiness and I was happy to get it back. And she's a yep. great foil for him. And their specific debate over their types of science is also oh, really I love fun. It. Yeah. I love it. Grease monkey and all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah and the gardening. Yeah. I love the like, oh, you're gonna run a starship with the things I pick off my pizza, you know, like yeah. Ah. <laughs> so much fun. I just love her character because she's like, I am uninsultable. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then that makes him want to try to <laughs> Yeah, he tries so hard. Yeah. I wish she could stay. I want her. I just Me want too. her to stay on the crew. She's, she's one of my so favorite good. characters. Yep. Yeah. She's terrific. I mean, again, they need actual engineers. They won't show them to us except for Reno now. And she Reno even makes mention of like there's a chief engineer somewhere. Yeah. Because that's who assigned her to the, the task of like coming into his lab. And yeah. it's like, okay, well then keep her around use her as like the reoccurring chief engineer for gosh sakes like come on yeah yeah i I keep i keep thinking of stamets lab as like main engineering but it's not and it's not um then they keep sort of messing with us that way too because i think this even this episode burnham says i gotta go down to engineering and help them and she doesn't go down to engineering she shows up at their door of their lab and it's like okay that's not technically not engineering engineering. right maybe it's like in the engineering wing Yes, it, it is like because you can see the warp core through those like uh, blast doors that, at the very end. So mm-hmm. they're like, you know, off of they're off of like engineering. Okay. But it's not the engineering. Like it's not main engineering. Right. Now they don't want to build that set, obviously, I guess. But like it, it's kind of mean. They just keep kind of implying <laughs> it is, but it's not. It is you know? mean. It's mean. It's, it's engineering I tease. Engineering. I know. It's, it's an engineering tease. Come on. Like, I remember how happy it? I was when Sickbay showed up. So I, yeah. I want all those things. Yeah. <laughs> now they'll have to figure out a way to budget for that next season, I think. <laughs> um, I'm sure that's an expense. Can I have a very small digression? Can you permit me that? Because you, sure. you mentioned Sickbay, and there is this scene... Mm-hmm. Where we're in sick bay and the doctor is is she the chief medical officer? Or is she we don't know. They haven't ever said the main medical officer. She that acts, we know she acts like it. Yeah. yeah, she's there, and I think I guess it's Burnham and Pike talking. Doctor Pollard. Yeah, and they're doing all the medical. Th- 
things. Yeah, and they're like, there's like a guy <laughs> bleeding to death yes. on the table, and they're yeah. holding worse, their worse, hands. Worse than worse than nurses and they're stuff. Ho- where's the holding, other doctors? And they're having like a serious conversation that they should be like, we need to stop and think about this because it was something mm-hmm. like really important to what was going on. And they're like standing there with their hands all over this bloody guy's chest. It, it was yep. that was the weirdest thing. That was like the most awkward scene I've. By the ever way, seen. Fu- the future band aids are apparently the non-slip mats you put in your drawers. But also, that was hilarious too. <laughs> oh it's yeah, totally yeah, that yeah. St- It's totally that rubberized stuff cut yeah. up. Like I was like, oh okay, cool. But they're <laughs> so they've got. I noticed because they've got their hands in there, which hopefully they washed before they did it. And then the doctors are all just stand like she's just standing there. And, and there are other doctors around. And I'm like, aren't yeah. there any, like the captain really has to stick his right? hands they, on the wound because they, there's they nobody else around. Them, and then they yeah. get up and walk away. Like in yep, the middle of they it. They do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? They're all like, now we have more important things to discuss over here. See ya. Yes. Like, Goodbye, yeah. wounded crew member. I hope you don't die. Yeah. They, they do. The, they, they sacrifice like sort of the realism of like actually having a staff for like throwing lines into our main characters' mouths. And since we're talking about it, that's actually one thing that I found annoying about this was back when Saru basically is in Zikbay and he goes, dude, I'm going to die. And they all just go, are you sure? And then Dr. Pollard basically <laughs> just steps away and is like, cool, you say you're going to die. I don't give a shit then. And I'm like, walks away. And it's up to Burnham to be like, how do you know? Are you sure? Is there anything we can do? And it's like, you don't maybe the doctor should be having these these lines yeah. like yeah i think like, well, i got the impression that she's like well i don't know dick about kelpian anatomy well that's so. true and and no one does he's the only one but like you don't want to try but try i mean yeah. no other doctor in star trek would 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 be like that right you know i was gonna I mean? say i went through the list and i was like there isn't any doctor no, that we've ever there, seen there, who would right. have just said okay There's, yeah, there's not a single doctor that you can point to that would be like, oh, okay, and like walk away. Yes, that's right. what happens next, yeah. Phlox mm. wouldn't, you know, Phlox wouldn't do it, McCoy wouldn't do it, Crusher yep. wouldn't do it, Pulaski sure as hell wouldn't do yep. it, you know? It's like, keep going, EMH wouldn't do it, you know? Bashir like, would not do Bashir that Bashir wouldn't do it, no. Bashir and his fancy, you know, engineered brain would definitely find a solution, okay? So, no. Anyway, it's just it's just kind of unfortunate because this is one of those things that we talked about with like kind of the writing is it's like they they just wanted to make sure that they put these words in one of the main characters' mouths, even though it doesn't really help world build. You know, it doesn't really give credibility to the other people around them. Well, and there's this thing that um, I was thinking about, like they like so I've like shot documentaries before and they like to have mm-hmm. you doing something while you're talking to them. So they'll yeah, be like, keep, keep doing totally your work that. so that we can, so that, you know, there's something going on in the scene. And I got the feeling that they just wanted to yeah. give them something to do with their hands. It's totally it that. The most, <laughs> you called it. It was the most inappropriate thing to have them do. Yeah. Like, like have this going on in the background if you wanted to show that they were wounded or something. Like what? Yeah. Anyway. No need to to beat a dead horse, but it was super baffling. Like I couldn't even hear what they were talking about because I was like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> no. And did you see when they were done? Pike like looks at his hands like they're gooey yeah, he's all something. bloody. He's yeah. got like this, and he's kind of yeah. like, "Ooh." She moves on, and she, I guess, rinsed them somewhere. <laughs> I but so. but Pike, be a sink Pike is just like, yeah. "Ooh." He's just like, "Oh, yep. like, it's blood on my hands." Yeah. It's kind of a so, nuisance. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of a nuisance, yeah. Well, like he got food on them. That was the face I, that he made. It is. He yeah, was like, like he's about to rub them sauce. on his jacket. Like, <laughs> yeah, he is. It's like, ugh. 
It, it was it was odd, yeah. Like it was. <laughs> okay, I'm glad the I'm not tone, the only the, one that thought that was. No, totally you're not. Weird. I, I I thought that was tonally odd. Like the whole, yeah. I did. I didn't think so either. But back to the wonderful cranky, uh, the crank off of yeah. Samus and Reno, which is a delight. It is. Totally. And with, it really is. With Tilly cut in the middle was really good too because every once in a while she'd give them a look or she'd chime in. And honestly, like along with our special moment for Doug Jones, I want a special one for mm-hmm. Mary Wiseman because she is so amazing. Her performance is so good this season. Yeah, it is. Yeah. She's incredible. I love she's her so amazing. much. She's amazing. She's so good. And she's so relatable, her character. Yeah, that's why I cry every time something happens to her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I literally do. <laughs> well, a lot happened to her this episode. Yeah. Boy, did it. So her friend May turns out to her ghost friend May turns out to be a spore symbiote. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a member of the what is Jossep? Yeah. Yep. F- fungal species from the mycelial network. Yep. And we get the revelation when they figure out how to communicate with May. May tells Stamets that basically we were trying to get rid of you because you've been disrupting the mycelial network and killing them, basically, right? Yeah. So, yeah, Stamets, of course, is horrified when she says this, when he comes to the realization that he did it and he immediately is basically like, wow, I had no idea, I'm sorry, I, I'm going to do whatever I can to fix this, you know. So he come, seems pretty rational about the whole thing. Um, and it totally reminded me of um, that t- that one TNG episode where they discovered yeah. that like warp drive is destroying the fabric of space-time. Yep. And then they just totally ignore it for the rest of Star yeah. Trek. <laughs> but I'm wondering mm-hmm. if this time, this is if this is... Do you, what do you guys think? Do you think this is their way of quote unquote retconning the the spore drive, like the the fact that the spore drive shouldn't exist in this time period? Yeah, I think they'll get there. I think they still have a way to go. Yeah. So you don't but think I, this is the this is going to be the the crutch? I think ultimately this may be why, but not yet. They, okay. yeah. they like it. They like it too much, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They do keep but going I, back to it, like, "Oh, this will be my last jump," and then they're like, "Oh, do you think we could like spin it up again real quick? We just need yeah. it like for well, like, a day." And like, and like, they sure as hell can't leave it alone now because the episode ends with Tilly getting sucked into it. Yeah, you know? right. Like, so they got to keep using it to do stuff. You yeah, know? right. Like... Yeah. <laughs> but use I it think as long it, as they can, I do yeah. think that's where they're headed. But I think it will take a while for sure. I don't even. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen right away. But I uh, think that's yeah. Uh, they know they need to get there, and so they're sort hmm. of laying the groundwork now. Makes sense. Yeah, both both in, in recent interviews, like Anthony Rapp has even said something about like, yeah, this doesn't mean quite what you think it means. Like this 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 setup with the May thing, like, and so it may not actually mean that they just fix it for good because they leave themselves a little back door to use it again, like in season three. You know, they can't like, leave a back door though. That's just they it. keep, but they keep wanting to. They that's what, you know that's what? what's the problem. I actually remember him saying, I think it was at New York Comic Con. I think he said. It does more, like the spores have more uses than just driving the ship, is there you what go. he said. There you go. See, they keep leading you into mm. stuff like that. And recently, we actually just published an interview with Tamara Deverell, you know, the production designer for Discovery. She was at a big um, production designer thing this, this weekend, and we, our, you know, boots on the ground there, got to ask her, and they said, like, well, okay, since the spore drive looks like it's going to be done now, like, you know, from the setup that we saw in this episode like do we're gonna finally see main engineering and the warp core 
And she basically kind of coyly said, like, you know, something along the lines of like, well, I don't think it's quite as done as you think it is, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, oh, okay, great. So now, you know, everyone's basically telling us, no, even though this looks like the avenue for a reason to fix the problem of like the spore drive. And everyone's existing. waiting for them to fix this problem. We're all waiting for it. It's not, I think it's almost like a fake out. Like we, we, we all think <sighs> this is going to, how it's going to end. And then they're not going to really end it, you know? So we'll see. But we have a, we know where this is only episode four. There's true, 10 more. True, true, true. <laughs> true. So we shall see. So speaking of Tilly's, journey into the into the fungal species into the Josep. um does anyone was so when they go to communicate with her i don't oh, remember what their yeah. rationale is but they decided they needed to drill a hole in her skull yes they wanted to put in a cortical implant so they could talk to may right right so they so, had to drill a, a hole with yeah. the regular drill bit with the drill screwdriver they didn't, they didn't have anything else she was yeah. like, do you have a laser scalpel? And he said, no. So, like, is that a thing that you can do without the person just dying? I think it is, actually. I mean, is it? Uh, look, you're a scientist well, they do talk and I'm about not, it. but they I'm not, talk about I'm it. not a, a doctor. You're not a medical, not a medical so, yeah. doctor. I'm a, yes. I'm, it's, a it's, fake, it's a, I'm a fake doctor. They, they drop the term. <laughs> they drop the term. That's a real term. The trepanation, I think it is, right? Like, mm-hmm. Which which they actually do do. That's actually, by the way, the same shit that they were trying to do to someone to check off in Star Trek Four. And McCoy goes, "What the hell are you doing?" And rescues. <laughs> oh him. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I mean, presumably he would have had an aesthetic. Yes, and this is what's crazy is so I I, I thought about that. The other thing that I've seen people say, and I totally didn't think about this, is some of the commenters are like, "You did that to someone without like strapping their head down. Right? You don't want to move in the middle of this." And they don't. They strap her like arms down. They don't strap her head. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, what if she moved? And it takes so like the two only seconds, thing, and there's no blood. Yeah, and it takes like two seconds, and it's perfectly easy. The thing that I thought of is like, remember, she's already super dosed with like shrooms. So oh, she's probably not oh, feeling oh. a lot of pain. That's the only thing I could think of. Maybe they should have like said Jessica. that because it just seemed they so. Should've. It pulled me out of the story a little bit when he just like pulls out this straight up like. And they're just like boop. Okay, tile saw. Like, you're fine. Like, it was like a ceramic drill bit or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, what? Okay, we're good. And by the way, that drill bit looked really. Um, the diameter looked very large, it was and then huge. the hole they left was was very small. And I'm like, no way. No, it was a Sorry. huge drill bit. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. really huge. Yeah. Looked very scary. Um, <laughs> it's going to be like an inch wide hole in her head. Right. And instead it was like, you know, little like like a pinky or less. You and know, and like he's little, just like little... freehanding it too. Yes. Free, I, know. I know. I was like, that's how does so he crazy. know that's the exact right spot? Right. And how does he know when to stop before he hits the brain? <laughs> oh. Right. Because that's the whole point is you need to just pierce the bone, but not. But you know what? Brain. Despite all that, they somehow managed to make it a very sweet scene and when she yelled like i was so jarred and scared i'm glad they didn't show it and try and get into i'm really glad they didn't show it that's not okay and just hearing her yell i thought was really powerful and the scene between the two of them where he's looking at her and she's she's basically trusting him and she doesn't even have to say it you can just see it and i thought that was like real and those two they they also have a really nice relationship and so i thought that it was really like you know, Reno's standing there ready for action, but the two of them are having this sweet David Bowie moment together. Yeah, the fact that she they, they says do. sing your favorite song and she sings Ground Control to Major Tom. Isn't that what I she, mean, which, 
I liked it there, except that the carpool karaoke thing was also this past week, and they yep, sing they it in there. It. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I was like, oh, look at that. And you know what else is pretty funny? Is I'm pretty sure they were filming this episode at about the same time they filmed that carpool karaoke episode. Because they filmed that back in May. So that's probably about the right time. Mm. So they're probably doing them together. Like, right. So, it, But it still was, a, I thought, a lovely moment. And I do I do love the song. So Me too. <laughs> so oh, it all I forgave really them well. for the double yeah. promotion. Because it was actually really, it was nice. It was a really nice moment. And even though I don't always love that they go for the most contemporary artists and mentions and things they've been doing, that was such a nice choice. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, I you, you know, I was also yeah. thinking, like, like, how many songs are there? Like, this could still be a totally a valid song that she might know because she's always wanted to be, like, a space cadet, right? Yep. Like, she's always wanted to be that. And, like, really, how many songs in pop culture are there about being an astronaut? Not very many, actually. Well, maybe so there are like, more can, when Starfleet's a thing. But Maybe. Yeah. But it's conceivable <laughs> that she would actually, like, know this, like, classic sure, song. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Zephyrin Cochran puts on Magic Carpet Ride when he blasts it right. on the Phoenix. So. Right. Exactly. See? So also a great choice. Yes. So I think like that's a really great moment that they really didn't even have to try hard to sell because it works really well, you know, between yep. the two of them. I think if we're just going to talk about selling stuff, if I want to jump back to, to Burnham and Saru for a minute. Um, well, they did give great performances during Saru's ganglia scene, which is like crazy hard to watch, right? But she's going to go cut his ganglia off. I think they tried a little too hard with that. Like it was like a little too hard. And I wish that we had seen more of Michael and Saru's life, like on the Shenzhou before. So we would like really know that they had this relationship because at the moment they don't, they now have a better relationship, but basically of season one, he didn't like her, didn't trust her for good reason. Right. He had basically her actions led to the death of like, his mentor and now we've learned savior from like his life and so he's not very happy with her so it's what we've actually seen of them together it doesn't feel very like yeah he doesn't really feel earned yeah from what we've seen that's fair i agree and even when she came back from the mirror universe and he had i mean from the other ship when they were both in the mirror universe and he Mm -hmm. did have he clearly had compassion for what she had been through but they still didn't seem close in the way right. that she keeps saying they're close and she we didn't see it whereas yeah. with Tilly and Stamets we actually saw that we relationship grow yes and yeah. so you know it's it's like the number one rule of like you know of TV right like show don't show, tell, don't tell and, they're, yeah. and they're not showing it and it really bums right. me out because they're just we like know, remember like, how good theory. remember how we're basically brother and sister you remember that remember how we yeah, said that, that that was how we were yeah and that's a real bummer because, like, I want to, I want to buy that. Like, I want to believe that about the two of them. You know, like that's also a, that's great. The performances were so strong. Like, they yep. were both so good in that scene. They were so, and that was so. so it wasn't even that it didn't play as as fake in any way because they were both their the acting's great and they were but amazing so, and emotional. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But that's what I meant. Like at, at the beginning of the episode, I said, but don't look too deeply because the second you sort of think about it, you go, yeah, they really sold that moment. But how how do we really know that they were like brother or sister? You know what I right. mean? That's the hard part. But yeah. Yeah. And and then uh, again, we get another Spock reference out of it that I felt gratuitous and annoying, which is where, you know, it's like you knew it was coming where it's like, oh, 
well, you need to promise me to like reconcile your relationship with Spock, you know? And it's like, okay, we get it. Yes, you need to hit us over the head with it. Thank you. You know what I mean? That was the one thing that I wasn't as happy with. You mean just because they're shoehorning the subject of Spock yeah, into it? Yeah, because it was like, it was like, let's insert Spock here. Here's our, here's another Spock reference. Yeah, it's like Go, my dying you know? wish is something about Spock. Yeah, right. It's like, no, it's okay, sure. Like, I get it, but... <laughs> I do. I do understand it. Well, and like, I'm glad uh, that they. I'm glad that they had the character of Michael change her mind because yes, that was I'm so glad stupid too. Of her to be like, I can't see him. Like what? Right. Well, but, you know, she was really ra- rattled by Amanda's the, the way Amanda behaved. You know, yeah, she's being melodramatic. Season. Well, but I mean, like basically, her mom was basically like, "See you, bitch," when she said that she drove the wedge between them and left. So I understand why she's. Well, the mom is being melodramatic too, Amanda, because because Michael didn't even tell her what she did. No, because we can't know yet because they're still still teasing us with that. I felt like Uh, Amanda was still blaming herself. I really she was did. mostly. Yeah, it was a lot of mom. It was a lot of I thought she was guilt. blaming herself in a big way. Hmm. But the for, whole Spock the thing. Part. I feel like I want to draw this little Spock and have him float around in every scene that he is not actually in, but is still the focus <laughs> of. Like, just a little cartoon floating Spock that just appears in all the scenes where they're talking about. Him. <laughs> Please, <laughs> I want that so oh, bad. That's funny. Yeah, uh, he's so is a MacGuffin. And just yeah. think, like we're still not even to Spock. We're still not even to Spock. Yet. Uh, I know it's like I'm. It's like I'm already fatigued from waiting. <laughs> Spock fatigue. I'm Spock fatigue. Just like all right. Oh, and of course, you know, and, and the episode even ends on another Spock note of like, oh, thank goodness, the sphere. One of its last observations, when it, as it died, was Spock's shuttle. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, it's like okay, yeah, that was sure. Whatever, I guess. All right, all right. Yeah, it's all seen. So, so Spock, man, how about that Spock? Um. <laughs> By the way, Spock. Yeah, but I have a brother. His name is Spock. Yeah. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a lot of Spock talk. But I do, I do like that it it took Saru to sort of think about that the spore is communicating, and again, one of those Saru like <laughs> Saru ability watch. And now he can see UV as well. Yep. Yep. We, we got to keep adding to the list. Watch. Yeah, you keep adding to the list. The ever-growing like, list. He speaks yeah. 94 languages. 96? Yeah. I thought it was 96. 94. It was 94? Okay. No. No, that, yeah. But that. like a week a week ago, he said more than 90 or something. He said more we, than 90, yeah. He, now yeah. we know mm-hmm. exactly how many. Yeah. <laughs> which, um, I, so, which brings up the universal translator scene, right? Like that was kind of fun, but it just raises even more questions <laughs> about how the damn thing works. <laughs> Except it was so fun. Like, I have was to fun. say that yeah. even though I kept going, okay, there's something about it that isn't quite ringing true in terms of a logical, scientific kind of thing. It was so much fun. I loved hearing all the languages. I loved everybody's Me confusion. Too. I loved the languages they chose. Me too. Because she yeah. says, is this Arabic? Like, all that stuff was really great and fun and made for, like, a great big tech glitch that was just incredibly entertaining. I think one of them was, was Chaosetian. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I love that. It was fun for me because I uh, speak several languages poorly, but um, it, <laughs> but it was fun for me. To, I don't. I'm not as good as Saru, but I, I do speak several languages poorly. So it was fun for me to like be like, oh, that's the, this language and that's this language. And, yeah. and I was just excited that I got to hear Star Trek in Italian. So, and I was happy for the French <laughs> and so Chinese. There you go. The French is nice. Yeah. 
I also like, like Saru is that, you know, there's always one character who has abilities and thank God they have that one person with those one special abilities, like seven yep. of nine data, ha- you know, data. Yep. And so now we have, mm-hmm. he can speak all these languages and he can see ultraviolet light and it just came in. It was so perfectly handy. So, so that I, way I like that. Yeah, like if some, that. if some alien influence, you know, knocks out everyone on the ship or takes over everyone on the ship, right. for some reason, Saru's biology will mean that he was the only one who's unaffected, right? He'll exactly. be that character. It, it will totally. Yeah. yeah. Especially now that he lost his gangly. He's more robust than ever, right? <laughs> yeah. So he'll, he'll <laughs> New and improved. Saru 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was fun. But but it just raises even more questions of like, are they implants in people? Because how would it override things that they're saying otherwise? Well, you know what I mean? I, so I, I don't know. It didn't confuse me. I th- a lot of people seemed really confused about it. But I thought it made sense to me with what I how I thought the translator worked. At least... Well, okay, look, if we're all speaking English, though, right? So, like, yeah. Burnham and Pike all speak English. There's no need to translate it. Yeah, well, but it if was, it was still it was on... <laughs> right, so right, if but, it was but, like, still how on... Does it cancel but then out I what thought, why didn't saying? they just shut it off? Like, right. To me, that's the answer. Because I could right. buy, like, it's still on, so it's translating randomly different people into right. random languages. Yeah. But so sh- shut it right. off. I mean, presumably right, they could Right, you just couldn't. turn it off. Right. Presumably. But here's the other thing. How is it doing this translating, like... Are you wearing something that does it? Because otherwise, you should just be able to speak to one another well, I, with no translation. I assume that there's... Well, I assume the computer thought it needed to be translated. And so there's... Sure, like, but so shouldn't you and I be shouting English and it over... Trying to, like, overlay Klingon on top of all of that? Just in a cacophony? You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but that's not how it ever works. Because when it, whenever it works, it, like, you hear the person speaking whatever language... Well, but that's... That, but that's, like... You know, that's a TV cheat. That's not true. But that's always fact, how it's worked. That's all. Yeah, that's how. In the no, history but, of Star but Trek. Discovery, yeah. But Discovery has even shown it, shown us how it works twice now. Um, when Burnham starts, they they cut over to it being like her voice, but they even show you like how it works. She does it in um, crap into the forest. I go. She starts translating Klingon to Cole, and it starts out as her communicator doing the translation. And then as a little narrative device, they just cut to her to save time. And the exact same device is used again with Lieutenant Giorgio when she rescues Saru in The Brightest Star. So we do know how it works and it doesn't work like that. So that's what I mean. Like it's even, but the UT is always inconsistent. We're never really sure how it works. Like we we did a podcast about humorous episodes and we talked about little green men and how at least the Ferengi maybe seem to have them implanted in their ear, but no one else we know does. Like, we just don't know how, you know, it's like, right. whatever. We don't know how it works. I was anyway, assuming there was, was some directed beam that was, like, directed to a certain person, and then anything. Yeah. Because in TNG yeah, and sure. on, anything that, and I think in a lot of TOS, that, and like, it's it's not a cacophony. It's just, like, replacing, like, you hear it yeah, as it somehow English or whatever, it. no matter what they're yeah. saying. Yeah, which I don't know how that works. But yes. Yeah, but I know well, it, that's not a satisfactory scientific explanation, but it is like canonically how fine. It, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah totally. And it makes for better TV than. Oh, for sure. Some yeah. It's way more boring it's, way it's, of doing it. It's far more amusing to get what we got than some weird cacophony and weird mechanical translations. Yes. Right. I agree. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Yes. Were there any other. Um, <laughs> Well, you have one that I know you I do, nitpick. yeah. Should yeah. I bring it up? Please do. We can nitpick a little bit here. So I, I like I like 
I'm nitpicking the science stuff because it's fun for me and they they usually get things like a little bit wrong but that's fine and sometimes you know it doesn't it's <laughs> fine it doesn't bother me honestly but this one I was just like they keep the discovery writers keep like pushing the scientific envelope just ever so slightly in the wrong direction like <laughs> like they, they want to have a they want to have some techno babbly line to to explain something that's happening or to give their characters a solution to a problem and they just pick like the most wrong thing it's like you could have literally picked any other thing and it's just like where's yeah. the science advisor we, we, we didn't get into it like we actually didn't have time for this on, the, on a previous podcast but we you and i talked about like they they got sort of the right idea but like miss sort of misapplied it with the redshift idea that burnham comes up yeah with. they got the redshift like, wrong they talked about and gravitational and like, redshift and Right, but then they sort of made it behave like a uh, kind of a standard like Doppler, you know, kind of redshift. And yeah. It's like, well, no, you don't need to do that. And, and redshift doesn't work faster than light people, so why would you go to warp? You know, it's, it's just little things sense. like that. Yes. It's it's like you had an idea that's a real idea in science, but then you don't really like know how to apply it. And like right? you should have just like, made up a term. Like you just right, you just, just make needed it up. a techno babbly Te- filler. Tech thing. the tech. Yeah. Yep, tech the tech. So, you know, that's that's what Trek is about. Like. So in, the, anyway, in this so, case, they so did it one. again. They said, okay, so yeah. what we want to do, there's there's an electrical charge building up in the relays in not engineering. <laughs> and so so uh, Janet Reno is like, oh, no, like we're all going to get electric. Well, first she says, if our oxygen ignites, which I was like, it's not, you're not breathing. God, you're not breathing. It's not pure oxygen. oxygen. Yeah. Like, Jesus, right. you would all, that would yeah. not be good. You'd all get high and then die. Yeah, hypoxia. <laughs> yep. So, um, so you're not. So anyway, so that was already ridiculous. But she's like, oh, if our oxygen nights, we're all toast, uh, or whatever. And they're like, okay, so we need a way to redirect all this this electrical energy in these relays that are off screen and very confusing. We need. We're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna direct them across, not engineering, to the doors. Which will then are connected to the hull, and so it'll like ground the charge, right? So we just need to yep. dissipate the charge. Yep. Okay, that kind of makes sense. I still don't know why the relays are charged with something over there that we can't see, but whatever. Maybe if you had like a cable, like literally any conductor, may you yep. know you could just run a line and that'd be fine. Like alligator clips, anyone? No, <laughs> alligator clips. <yeah. laughs> so like literally anything. Yeah. Um, yep. And so instead, Sam's just like, oh, a gas. When a gas ionizes, it can carry the charge. We use a mixture of argon and xenon gas to do something or other with the spores. So we'll just connect all these little bottles together and we'll run a gas through them and we'll connect one end to the off-screen relays and the other other end to the doors and then we'll like send the charge through this gas. And so like, okay, except for they chose two inert gases Presumably because they Googled what's a gas, like name a gas, <laughs> like, na- you know, name a gas, an element that's a gas. And right. the noble gases, which are all inert, are gases yeah. at standard temperature and pressure. So they just picked argon and xenon. And like the reason that people ever use argon or xenon for anything is because they don't react with anything. Because they have all their electron shells full, and so they're not a charge carrier. And and to their to in their defense, Stamets said um, when they when they're ionized, they can carry a charge, which is true. You can ionize an argon, like an argon gas, for example. Um, but how would you go about ionizing it, like the, to prepare it? Let's say. Yeah. Right? So the problem. So we actually do this. Like there are instruments that that I use. So so I'm a 
I study rocks, and if we want to make certain measurements of rocks, we can use an ionized argon to mm-hmm. to do some complicated stuff with the chemistry, basically, and get a look at what's inside of a rock. Um, but the way we do that is you turn the argon into a plasma mm-hmm. when you ionize it, and you have to do that at a, at a specific pressure. So you have to put it, put it under a partial vacuum. It has to be really mm-hmm. specific pressures. If the pressure is too low, then you don't have um, enough particles moving around to create a plasma. And if the pressure is too high, the particles are colliding too often and you just can't make a plasma. So for argon to ionize, it has to be at a specific pressure. So he would have had to like hook it up to a roughing pump and like pumped down the pressure. (laughs) Can you imagine that? (laughs) <laughs> the tubes. That, that's that seems like too low tech for them a roughing pump right you know what I mean? like, yeah. just like what or well a space roughing pump i mean come on but yeah yeah right but still can you it just EDS, yeah. the eps conduits probably can do that <laughs> yay yeah what can't they do right? yeah. <laughs> but they just they you know so it's just like and i know that's super nitpicky and most people wouldn't know that but well but this is this is those one of those things like they just need a science advisor, advisor. they would just need saying, to ask someone i keep saying where's the science advisor because every they everyone should have a science advisor. I mean, sure. I would like a science advisor, right? But they uh, right. especially need one. So, and I just and it just makes sense so that everything ties together. And then later, when they want to bring stuff up, it'll all still work. And exactly, I, I wish they yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah, because this this isn't a big deal. It's just like, look, ask someone who knows. Does this make sense? And they'll go like, No, that doesn't. But here's what you could do. And they'd be like, Cool. And they swap some lines of dialogue around. Yeah, like, you know yeah. what I mean. Any other like guess. done. Yeah, would have been better. Yeah. Yep. So, you know. Also, Stamets always has a very specific tool that he needs, like within an arm's reach all the time. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a couple <laughs> of episodes in a row where it's like he needs a very specific thing and he's got one like right on the table just sitting there. Yeah. Wow. That's he's, his house dress. I feel like they used to have to, you know, jury rig things and make them and I can, I'll, I'll make this out of this and I'll make, you know, and now it's, you know, they That's were MacGyvering true. things before and now they're just, well, <laughs> no, he just, he's got it. Right I, there. I got the impression this was supposed to be that. This was supposed to be, let's MacGyver a solution because we need a conductor. And so, oh, right. we have these, this gas and whatever. But yeah, it was it, super convenient. It was, but, yeah. but Lori's totally right. He also had all the tools he needed to couple them together. Like no problem. Everything. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas Scotty would be like, well, I don't have, you know, the proper coupler, but I've got this thing and I can make it work. You know what I mean? Even when he or, sucked or the thing out of Tilly the week before, he just, it was just sitting right there. Like I have this yeah. device that's going to suck this thing right out of you. And then the, the you know, I don't know. Anyway. The like Ghostbuster I'm, device. Yes. Like, so that, the, yeah, that's that dark matter sample that Tilly collected. And he's like, right. they did hand wave it. They go, oh, yeah, the dark matter is like attracted. Like the spores are attracted to dark matter. Oh, yeah, that's true. So if, I, so if I open like the chamber, it should pull, you know, May out right. of you. But but again, cool. It's right there just on the table right now, apparently. Cool. Like, Well, and some of that, honestly, is they're trying to cram a lot of story in right now. They, and they so, are. Even that's though, right. I, again, I love the character stuff. Like the one thing I think Discovery's always been great with is the creation of these characters. Mm-hmm. They have fantastic actors, fantastic characters. And so, but now we're in this weird phase where they're just trying to get to something. And yep. so a lot of the sort of traditional Trek moments that we like where they don't have a thing and they have to build it. We just, we're not getting any of that. They have to dispense mm. with it because they've got too yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. And even and the medical stuff too, like all those things where she would have tried and she would have done this and compared it to some other species and done something, and they're skipping all yep. that because they just need to get to the next part. And the yeah, next part is point. satisfying and good. But yeah, but, but, the, but the problem is like 
that's part of Star Trek too. Yes. You know what I mean? That is also part of the milieu of like what Star Trek is and what we've come to expect. And they they kind of missed that. Mm. They missed that part of it. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Oh, another delightful thing though, because I don't want to forget to mention it is um I love that they all shroom out for a minute. That was hilarious. <laughs> I love oh that. yeah, that was pretty funny. And can we also please give a shout out to Tilly's electrified hair? Oh yeah, yes! How that could we forget? That the was the longest awesome. sustained laugh Star Trek has ever given me in all of the shows <laughs> and movies. I laughed. I was by myself and I laughed, and then I just kept laughing, and then I thought about it later and laughed again. <laughs> <laughs> like it just the way she popped up, right? Because she she's been lying, so she, she pops up, up yeah. and her she hair pops is like up, that. Yep. And I just I laughed. Maybe it was my mood. I don't know, but I just laughed so hard. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so she's made me cry a lot so I was very grateful that she made me laugh really hard <laughs> and yep. can we all have a, a another moment of silence for digital antibodies <laughs> oh god yes so I mean this this is unfortunately like a, this is also a Trek trip right where they like don't really want to have a proper like computer science term for something kind of sort of they want to like I think they think they're using an analogy that will be cool for all the lay people in the, yeah, in the audience. But like, but like that makes no sense. This day and age, everyone knows like what an antivirus program is. Right. right? Like everyone knows what that is. <laughs> yeah. Computer, computers are like, personal computers are ubiquitous. This isn't like the 80s when they were writing this dialogue right. for TNG when that was sort of a new thing. Now everyone's like, yeah, I have Norton. I know what the hell an antivirus <laughs> is or whatever. You know? Or I have and a so I'll, I have Well, yeah. But, you know, this, the whole point is, hey, Max get viruses too. Just, nah, know. just you know, Season. FYI. I know. But just for our listeners. Don't get smug. I'm going to use a Mac, <laughs> but, you know. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, really, what they're talking about, of course, is just some kind of, you know, algorithm that fight that fights it back, right? Like, they're talking about an algorithm, an adaptive algorithm that knows how to, like, rewrite what it corrupted as it goes along. Right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so just say that. Yes, it's like a sentence. Yeah, like, no, I like the language you used there. It sounded right. techy and intelligent. And it also and sounds concise. very Star Trek, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it was concise and, and it conveyed exactly what it needed to do. Right. And so I, I worry that they basically went, okay, well, here's two, you know, it's like economy of words, like when they're writing the script. They're like, we could say a whole sentence or two words. Sweet. Oh, you know, yeah. and they're like, that captures it. Let's move on. And I, and I do worry that like something like that or, or even worse, maybe they've never even considered the more elaborate kind of description. I don't know. But that is kind of a small nitpick because Trek has always done kind of stuff like that, unfortunately. But, yeah, you know, again, just ask someone like ask an expert. Like, what would you call that? Like, so, I'm on call. Lens- like, how many times I have to say you guys? And I guess my, my letters keep getting lost <laughs> in the mail, but. <laughs> yeah ask kayla kayla would yeah, know kayla knows that's true that's who i'd ask oh and like yeah. other s- s- related nitpick is when burnham is like it's illogical for a virus to kill its host i was like are you kidding people oh, yeah, die from viruses like, no all the time. lots of viruses yeah i thought that was so weird I'm like no lots of viruses kill you what are you yeah. talking about? and i'm glad that the, the 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 medical officer who may or may not be the chief medical officer was like was basically like that's stupid but nicer. Yeah. Yeah. She's basically she like that. She basically that's did a stupid it. idea. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how any of this works. Well, speaking of trying to cram too much story into too little time, 
I feel like our podcast is getting to that point. I think we've done that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so unless there's any other like little things that you guys wanted to shout out to. I mean, I just had a thing about that that briefing scene near the beginning. You know, the one where Linus talks about having the cold that sucked. Because I keep forgetting mm-hmm. her name, but the bars in, the officer who came from the yeah, Enterprise. Non. This, yeah, non. Mm-hmm. She just seemed to like appear out of nowhere. Like they all <laughs> were very startled She's like to find her in the, the room. Corner. It, it was. It was. They totally did. They per- like, they totally purposely shot it that way. But too. why? Like, right. Suddenly but, spin. But it I don't the, know. I mean, I got that she surprised us, but why did she surprise them? <laughs> yeah, like they missed that she walked into the room past them and was like, hey. I know it was such yeah. a it was such a strange moment. It was like she didn't just beam in because we would have heard it, and suddenly it was yeah, like I what mean, the hell, and it was just yeah, I mean, a very just, strange. It's just like oh hey, yeah. it's me. I'm from the Enterprise. Right. What's up? Yeah. I'm still here. Yeah. By presumably the way. she came was she, presumably she came with number one, and number one like dropped her off to be like their chief of security temporarily. You know. Well, did she ever leave? I don't think she left from her. <laughs> no first one arrival. knows. Because she also, I noticed even from her very first arrival, she says she's, she's in, back. She's in a lot of scenes where she doesn't say anything. <laughs> she's yeah. just there. She she says that she's back. The one thing yeah. that led oh, me yeah. is, right, right. is she, she does say she's back. back. Yeah. So I think she and number one came and number one dropped her off because they need a chief of security or whatever. And you don't need a chief of security while you're in space talk. So, you right. Know. <laughs> that must be it. I'm actually glad to, to see her. I actually like that they used her more. Yeah, me um, too. Because, you know, they they are supposed to have, just like there's supposed to be a chief engineer somewhere and a chief medical officer somewhere, there's also supposed to be a chief of security because, of course, Tyler's not that anymore. Right. And so it's like, yeah, there should be someone, you know, doing security things. Like, where is that person? And we should see them. So I was glad that she was around. Yeah. And sort of yeah. more active. No, I like having her around. It was just a very funny moment. It was. Because they it all yeah, looked very really startled. <laughs> so. Yeah, because, like, that conference room table is, like, past the door so she would have had to walk it through the door and past them <laughs> and it and would whoosh like, it would make a sound yeah of course and, yeah. Then, so. and then they'd be like hey oh we totally saw you come in we're not surprised at all you know it's like <laughs> yeah they're just like oh what oh you're here yeah. okay right what hi yeah. so and the other thing i oh, just wow. wanted to bring up um is that i keep wondering so may keeps saying to tilly like i need you you're the only and i keep wanting to, uh, why is why it tilly her? i want to yep. know why it's tilly me too me too yeah yeah well, we might find out in the Maybe next episode. Um, I did not watch the next week on Star Trek Discovery, but um, I did see the first few seconds of it. So that gives you a little spoiler hint to what we, what we might see next time. Tilly goes to Sporeland. Yes. Mm-hmm. To yes. like sticky, ooey, scary Sporeland. Yeah. Because she's, she's like, ah. Maybe we've been been sort of being teased about Culber coming back at some point so that might be a thing that happens related mm-hmm. to Sporeland that, that, that whole cocoon thing seems like a great way to get him back I know, I know. and I, I just keep going Culber Culber because I really <laughs> want him back I know and I there was him. something Stamets said like it contains life or something like that and yeah, I was yeah. Like, yeah they're definitely and I was like does it contain Culber's life because right? I would like him to come back that's now. exactly what I was thinking Maybe he doesn't it's, just yes. connect life it contains life yes yes Culber 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 Yes. Yeah, I'm and ready. We get to we get we're we'll try and track down Spock again next week. Okay. <laughs> yeah, same bat time, same bat. Yeah, channel. it's totally gonna work this time, right? It's totally gonna work, right? This They're time totally we'll we'll learn one more piece of information about Spock and then do a bunch of yeah. other stuff. Yeah. Next yeah. week on next week Star Trek Discovery season two episode five <laughs> Saints of Imperfection. Ooh. Mm. Oh. Mm. All right. And you. 
By the way, while we're talking titles, could they just put the titles on the screen again, like old school, please? I know, but current TV is too cool for that. They, no, they could think, I so. just want to see the? I want to see the titles. It's Trek. They have it titles. Nice. They came up with titles. They I want to see them. I want Sometimes to see them. Sometimes really pretentious titles of that. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> but like, put them on. I mean, I they should. I agree. I want to see them. Do they? Do they show? They don't even show up at the end, right? They don't like put them no, in the end so. credits or anything. No, they don't. No, nope. they really should just squeeze them in there then, or something, you know. Yeah, just, that'd, that'd be yeah. a nice, a nice compromise at least. Mm-hmm. If they really wouldn't put them, I agree with Lloyd. They should be at the beginning of the episode. Oh, I think so too. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them being blue there. text like a on a spacey background. <laughs> <laughs> the that might be too. That might be too retro yeah. for them. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Well, until next week, my friends, we will. See you next week on another edition of Shuttlepot at the Disco. Bye, guys. Bye for now. Bye.